0: So open your Bibles, download your study guides, and prepare to explore Bible prophecy.
1: Hello, and welcome once again to Exploring Bible Prophecy. In today's program, we are continuing our look at point number three in our worksheet, and the worksheet is entitled Important Prophecy Terms, and we're looking at seven sets of terms that we're comparing and contrasting so that we have a a better understanding of these key terms Before we get into our next series, which is one that we're going to cover, the 30 prophetic events that are listed in the Bible that take place between now and the end of the book of Revelation at a period of time we call eternity. And we are in point number three in our worksheet. By the way, as the announcer has made clear, you can download it from this station, and I would suggest you do that because we have a lot of scripture that we're using We're in point number three of this worksheet, having looked at the difference between the Son of God and Son of Man and the day of Christ and the day of the Lord. And now we're looking at the difference between the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of grace. And we have looked at the attributes of the one who was prophesied to come, that being Jesus Christ. We looked at the Old and New Testament references to him as the prophet, to him as the Messiah, to him as the King, and to him as the Conqueror. And uh, having completed that, and again, that's not an exhaustive overview, but I think that kind of captures kind of in a nutshell uh, the description of this one that was prophesied to come, the one that the Israelites 2,000 years ago were looking for. And now we're going into a series of attributes of what this kingdom uh, was to uh, be all about and what about the time frame of this kingdom and what's the the order of events necessarily that would take place and i specifically talk about order of events because there's a key prophesied event in the old testament talked about in the new testament that had to take place before the kingdom was set up this was true 2000 years ago when jesus first offered it and it will be true again in the future when jesus Comes back at his second coming. Before he can set up the kingdom, there has to be a time of tribulation, and it's not a time of tribulation as we know it today. Um, there are there are those, um, some of them quite well known, preachers out there that say that we're in the tribulation right now, and they say, "Look at the world. How how much worse can it get in the world?" Well, according to Revelation, it can get a whole lot worse and it gives a lot of specific examples. And the Old Testament is replete with hundreds of references to this terrible time called the Tribulation, that it'll be a time nothing before it and nothing after it. Um, But what they fail to understand is there is a difference between the Tribulation that the church specifically is experiencing, and I call that the lowercase t., T is the first letter in tribulation, the lowercase t, tribulation, because the New Testament tells us that the church will, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God and you possess his Holy Spirit, and that's all in one event, uh, if you're a child of God, the Bible very clearly says you will. It doesn't say maybe. It doesn't say might. It doesn't say under these conditions. It says you will have tribulation in your life. Why? Because faith in Jesus Christ has now separated you from Satan's world. And guess who now hates you? The world hates you. So there will be a time of tribulation for a Christian. But just recognize, and the Bible tells us this, tribulation is a proof that you are a child of God that Jesus Christ does indwell you through the Holy Spirit. So when you have these tribulations, I guess another way to look at it is, if your life is just absolutely peachy, peaches and cream, and everything's fine, and you don't have any issues at all with the world or individuals or yourself and whatnot, you need to ask yourself, you know, as they say, have a checkup from the neck up. Because the difference between heaven and hell is 18 inches between your head and thinking you're a Christian, and your heart knowing that you're a Christian. Um, Because, again, tribulation is a sign that we are um, sons and daughters of the living God, that Jesus Christ is our brother. So that's the tribulation that we're going through, but there's a real tribulation, a capital T tribulation that the Bible talks about over and over and over again. And we touched on that just briefly last time in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7. Um, And we want to go now into Deuteronomy chapter 4 uh, to talk about a tribulation that has to take place before the kingdom is set up. And now, because we're looking at the gospel of the kingdom, we're looking at what was promised in the Old Testament that would take place when Jesus came the first time and of course that that required israel to believe and of course we know that israel didn't believe but this is old testament prophecy about what would happen and because it didn't happen 2000 years ago doesn't mean it won't happen at all it means it will happen yet in a yet future date again because god is a covenant keeping god and he will bring about every covenant promise that he made to israel Regardless of what Israel has done in the past, it really will come down to what Israel does at the end of the tribulation, that seven year tribulation spoken of so much in the Old Testament. So let's go to Deuteronomy. We were in Jeremiah chapter 30. In Jeremiah th- chapter 30, verse 7, we learned that there would be a, a terrible time that would come, and it's called a time of Jacob's distress. And we talked at length in our last program about how when you see the name Jacob, it's referring to the 12 tribes. The 12 tribes, as of today, have not been together since 2,930 years ago. And that's when the kingdoms split right after the death of King Solomon. And that was in the 930s BC. They've been divided north and south since then. Ten northern tribes to southern tribes, so when you see Jacob, most of the time, particularly if it's a prophetic verse, it's referring to uh, Jesus bringing all twelve tribes back together again during the tribulation period. So again, that's a an event, a bringing together of the twelve tribes that's yet future. And here it is. This is one of the more wonderful prophecies. Uh, in the Bible, and the reason I say that is we go to Deuteronomy chapter 4 is when you understand that when the Israelites came out of Egypt, that first generation, the generation that saw all of those 10 miracles, those 10 plagues uh, brought about by God through Aaron and through Moses, and then were brought across the Red Sea, another <laughs> major miracle. I mean, how could you not believe? And I say that with kind of a little bit of incredulity there. How could you not believe? And then they go into the wilderness, and God marries them at Mount Sinai where the law is given. I mean, the first gift that was given to Israel, the new wife of God, was the Ten Commandments about how to live on the earth, how to live on the earth at that time. And of course, we have those same Ten Commandments today of course, for the church with the exception of the Sabbath, which was specifically for for Israel. But there are a lot of those 600 laws that were given. A number of those have attributes that are worthy of the church knowing and understanding uh, because they have to do with uh, moral, moral uprightness and um, belief in God and so forth. So, they were, they were married there, but they continued on and uh, God gave them the opportunity to prove their belief and their love for the Lord by having the spies go into the uh, land of Canaan. And when those 12 spies went in, one from each tribe, when they came back out, nine of the 12 said, no, there's no way we can go in there. They're giants. And of course, we know that there were literally, not just figuratively, literally giant men and women living in the land at that time but it was indeed a land that was overflowing with wonderful uh, resources and so forth 10 of the 12 said no way so basically god banished them because of their unbelief into the wilderness and said that generation that came out of egypt will die and most of that generation not all of them and that's a study of another study in and of itself the whole wilderness period, but all of that first generation figuratively and almost totally literally died in the wilderness as part of their their punishment. So what was given to them about how to live, which is the book of Leviticus, was now restated to the second generation that would cross the Jordan miraculously again. Remember, God dried up the Jordan so they could cross over, because the Jordan was at flood stage at that time. He um, miraculously brought them across the Jordan into the promised land. So, So God, through the leading of the Holy Spirit and then with Moses, who wrote it, wrote Deuteronomy, which is basically Leviticus expanded to the second generation. And that's what's so wonderful about this because the study of Deuteronomy, again, another study in and of itself, a study of Deuteronomy shows you the, the miraculous nature of God, the omniscience of God, that he tells Israel's whole future all the way out to the millennial kingdom. So what would that be? This is 1400 BC. Uh, we're now through, so that's 3400, 3400, and let's, I, I believe we're going to see the tribulation come very quickly. Uh, right after the rapture. So let's just say 3,400 years into the future is being told in the book of Deuteronomy. And let's look at an example of that as we look at Deuteronomy chapter 4. So if we could go to Deuteronomy chapter 4, and for context, we're going to read verses 21 through 30. 21 through 30. There's, There's just so much all in here, and you just have to kind of almost force yourself to say, we're just going to look at one particular section here. But to make the point about the tribulation and God's gracious, loving kindness, let's let's look at this. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 21. Now the Lord was angry with me, and this is Moses talking to the Israelites just before they went across the Jordan to take the promised land. Now the Lord was angry with me on your account. And remember, they rebelled against God and Moses. Um, Now the Lord was angry with me on your account and swore, swore, this is God, swore that I would not cross the Jordan and that I would not enter the good land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. For I will die in this land. So he's across the Jordan where he's talking to them right now which is literally modern-day Jordan. For I will die, verse 22, for I will die in this land. I shall not cross the Jordan, but you shall cross and take possession of this good land. Here's the key verse. So watch yourselves, so that you do not forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make for yourselves a graven image in the form of anything against which the Lord your God has commanded you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Verse 25, when you become the father of children and children's children and have remained long in the land and act corruptly and make an idol in the form of anything, And do that which is evil in the sight of the Lord your God, so as to provoke him to anger. Verse 26, I will call heaven and earth to witness against you today that you will surely perish quickly from the land where you are going over the Jordan to possess it. You shall not live long on it, but will be utterly destroyed Verse 27, The Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord drives you. There you will serve gods the work of man's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. Verse 29, But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you search for him with all your heart and with all your soul, when, here it is, verse 30, when you are in distress and all these things have come upon you in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and listen to his voice, listen to his voice. So this is basically giving you a, really a, a thumbnail overview of the prophetic future of Israel from the time they crossed the Jordan 1404 BC I think is the kind of the most specific date I've ever seen 1404 BC all the way through to the the tribulation and the judging of Israel and the judging of Israel and the reason you know this is is because this is Moses speaking. And at the very end of verse 30 of Deuteronomy 4, it says, In the latter days you will return to the Lord your God and listen to his voice. And you remember from Deuteronomy 18, starting at verse 15, uh, and we're not going to go there because we've been over it several times if you've been with us uh, any length of time on this program. When you go to Deuteronomy chapter um uh, Eighteen. It's the great prophecy of Jesus, the prophet who would come uh, from among the Israelites that would be like Moses, and and it specifically says, "Listen to him, listen to his voice." And it says, "If you don't listen to his voice, you will die." And then we went into the New Testament to follow through with that, and we go to um, Matthew. I think it was Matthew chapter three or four. I can't remember specifically right now, but it's where Jesus begins his ministry on the earth at the age of 30 by being baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. And to make sure that people followed Jesus from then on and not John the Baptist, God spoke from heaven so that people heard it. And he said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And then you fast forward another uh, possibly two years to the point in the ministry where Israel uh, has been canvassed by the apostles, and the apostles have told Christ, Israel believes you are a lot of different people, but they do not believe that you are the Son of God. So he basically tells them that, okay, I'm going to change my ministry, and there's where he changes it from the gospel of the kingdom to the gospel of grace. But because they're so um Down emotionally, spiritually, down that Israel is not accepting Jesus. Jesus turns around and takes several three of the apostles up to the Mount of Transfiguration and he allows them to see him being bodily transformed into what he will look like at his second coming. And on his right and on his left are Moses and Elijah, and they see these. And then you hear God once again from heaven saying the same thing. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. So this is the Jesus that's talked about in Deuteronomy chapter 4. In the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and listen to his voice. That certainly has not happened. So we again, we know that this is the tribulation period, and this is the result of the end of the tribulation, that there are those who are going to seek the Lord a search for him with all their heart. I'm reading from verse 29. If you search for him with all your heart and your soul, you will find him. Listen to him. So we we have this yet uh, future tribulation, but it's a tribulation that they thought could very well take place at the um, first coming of Christ. So the attributes are basically the same. It's just the timing is different. What was told would happen at the coming of Christ if they accepted him didn't happen 2,000 years ago because they didn't accept him. The next time they will accept him, and that's the tribulation leading to the salvation of that remnant of righteous Israelites, a judgment of the Gentiles, and the setting up of the kingdom. So we'll we'll look at a few more specific passages having to do with the tribulation in our next program, but we need to transition over to our Q&A time As we always do, and we have a question from um, a listener wanting to know, does the fact that Israel is the wife of God have any impact on end-time prophecy? And we, if you've been following along, we've been spending uh, uh, several uh, programs on this to make the point because this is so important to understand that Israel is the central focus of God's plans. The church plays a big role, but it only plays a role from Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, when the church started, and that role will stop when the church is raptured out to heaven. And even though we're not referred to as the church after that, we're the wife of Christ, just like Israel is the wife of God, we will then come back with Christ at his second coming where we will rule and reign on the earth with Christ. But that's separate and distinct from Israel. And remember, during the church age, a Jew and a Gentile could accept Christ. It's not like Israel has been excluded. Israel has the same opportunity to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior as anybody else. It's just unfortunate that very, very few of them do. So if you, if you do know of a Messianic Jew uh, you found a special person because they have a different perspective um, on the Scriptures, particularly the Old Testament, uh, than we do because it's, it's extremely real to them uh, to see the Old Testament become real in the New Testament as opposed to a Christian, which we're, we're basically New Testament, if you will, but we need to understand the Old Testament as a Gentile because that's where God really reveals himself to us. So like they say, the the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And I I fully believe that from a literal reading of the Scripture. So we were looking at the importance of Israel. Uh, Everything in the Bible before the church is Israel. Everything in the Bible after the rapture of the church is Israel. So we need to study Israel. And we were looking at the, the judgments that take place at the end of the tribulation period, and we looked a couple of programs ago at the judgment of Israel, and we see that very clearly spelled out in the book of Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 33 to 38, 33 to 38. And that's the passage that I always go to when somebody brings up Romans eleven twenty five and they say, all Israel will be saved. What in the world does that mean? Well, Ezekiel chapter 20 verses 33 to 38 explains it, I think, very clearly that at the end of the tribulation, which is what Romans eleven twenty-six is talking about, at the end of the tribulation period, God, or through Jesus, Jesus is going to judge Israel. Specifically, all the Israelites in the world will be brought together. They'll be judged. One third of them, according to Zechariah, the book of Zechariah, one third will be counted as righteous and that one third that are all righteous will enter uh, enter the land of Israel in the millennial kingdom. So at that point in time all Israelites living in Israel at the beginning of the millennial kingdom will be saved. They will be righteous before the eyes of God. So that's the explanation for that. Then we moved on In our last program, looking at the judgment of the Gentiles, and that was found in Matthew 25, which is where Jesus is talking to the apostles that are sitting with him on the Mount of Olives during his um, crucifixion week, Um, and he's they're asking him what is going to be the sign uh, of the end, what's what's the end going to look like, and what are the signs of your coming. And he, he basically, in Matthew 24 and 25, which encompasses the Olivet Discourse, and by the way, uh, the difference between the Olivet Discourse, which we're looking at here, Matthew 24, 25, and what's called the Upper Room Discourse, this is another discussion that Jesus had with the apostles during his crucifixion week in Jerusalem. They're dramatically different, and that's actually going to be one of our sets of terms that we're going to look at. So I'm excited about that. We're going to look at the difference between the gospel. Excuse me. We're going to look at the difference between the Olivet discourse or the Mount of Olives discourse and the Upper Room discourse. The Mount of Olives is about the second coming, uh, the tribulation and second coming, and the um, the uh, Upper Room discourse later on that week is about the church age. So that's going to be particularly important for you and me uh, as born-again believers. But we are um, looking here at Matthew 25, the Olivet Discourse, uh, dealing specifically and only with the tribulation period and the second coming. The church is not involved in here anywhere. The church is gone And in Matthew 25, in our last program, he was basically um, cross-examining the Gentiles standing before him, and he was looking, first of all, at what are called the sheep, and he said that you fed me, you, uh, you gave me water when I was thirsty, you visited me in jail, you clothed me when I was naked, and so forth and so on. And they said, when did we do that? And he answers that in Matthew 25, verse 40. The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. And then he goes over to the goats, does the same thing, and says, You didn't do any of these things for my brothers, the least of my brothers. So therefore, look at the judgment in verse 46. These, the, uh, the goats who didn't do anything will go away into eternal punishment. That's the la- ultimately the lake of fire. But the righteous, the sheep, into eternal life. Now, the, the result of this judgment is that the unrighteous Gentiles will go away into eternal separation from God, ultimately the lake of fire. But the sheep who are being judged in their their earthly carnal bodies will go into the kingdom, into the millennial kingdom, in their earthly carnal bodies. But they've been saved because of what? Because of what you did, back up to verse 40, to the least of these brothers of mine. Now this has been interpreted as um, Christians, as just needy people in the world, but actually it's answered in Joel. It's answered in the book of Joel So if we could go to Joel chapter 3, Joel chapter 3, and unfortunately I see that we have once again run out of time, but uh, we will get to Joel chapter 3 in our next program. And you might want to go there because it's a good reference to help people who misunderstand Matthew 25, the sheep and goat judgment, that this has everything to do with Israel and Israel alone. And we'll cover that in our next program. Remember, if we don't talk again, I'll be seeing you in the air.
0: Thank you for joining us on this edition of Exploring Bible Prophecy. Exploring Bible Prophecy is a production of WHCB. Learn more at whcbradio.org.